you came here expecting to hear Tony preach, or if you're new, I apologize. Um, I'm not Tony. But I am excited. I do want to welcome everyone here. It's good to see so many of you all, and so many of you at home in your pajamas still. Uh, we're glad, not in all seriousness, we're glad that you've chosen to be with us. I know there's a lot of things that you could be doing right now. It's good to be in church with God's family. If you're just joining us, um, we're continuing our series on the attributes of God. And we picked up last week, starting with the communicable attributes of God. Just as a quick refresher, this will take just a couple minutes. We started several weeks ago talking about God's, about God's incommunicable attributes, things like his his self-existence, his omniscience, his immutability, his infiniteness, and other really big words. Uh, these are things that we as humans, though image bearers of God, that we cannot display ourselves. I can't be in all places at once. I've seen some moms try, but I can't do it. But God can. He is infinite. I'm not self-sufficient. I need any number of things to exist daily. God relies on nothing or no one. I contradict myself constantly. I'm going to try not to this morning, but God cannot contradict himself. Those are just a few examples of God's incommunicable attributes. And so last week we started with the communicable attributes of God. And Tony made this amazing connection to the ways that that we can share these attributes, ways that we too can communicate them to the fruit of the Spirit in the New Testament. So when you read in Galatians chapter 5, go ahead and put that up there so, so we can be looking over it again. When we read Galatians chapter 5, one of the many things that Paul is saying is that, that these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, these, these character traits here, it's not, just, it's not just the sign that God now lives in us, as if that's not crazy enough. These are literally God's image on us, His stamp on us. These are attributes of God that the Christian made new through faith in Christ now displays to others. And last week we started talking about peace. And this morning I have the pleasure to discuss with you patience. Before you start laughing, patience is a virtue. So the old saying goes at least. It's a virtue because it's not that common. Pretty much all the experts agree that we live in a a instant gratification society. I like to blame Amazon Prime, personally, for conditioning me to expect any and all packages within two days. And if I have to wait any longer than that, I feel, like I'm sure many of you do, that I'm being personally wronged by somebody. And have you seen the new Chick-fil-A drive throughs that they're building? There's not even a window anymore. It's, like a, it's just a giant double door you, you get up there, and there's like a, an, an army of people just waiting. They just walk right out of the building. 
speaking of, of fast food, even, even in my beloved pals, if I have to wait even for a second, I think, sudden service, come on. That's how, how pathetic. How pathetic is that? My wife, Kristen, last week, she, told, she did the, the children's ministry video, and, she, and in the video, she told a story about uh, being a kid and going to a movie rental place. And I'm sitting there, I was videoing her, and I was thinking to myself, I don't think anyone under 20 is going to know what you're talking about. I mean, can you imagine in today's, like, with the streaming and everything, having to get in your car and drive to a whole other place just to pick up a movie and watch? You know, even I think about Redbox, you know, they put those in convenient places where you're, you're already going, usually. So, anyways, needless to say... Uh, those of you that know me well know that I have never been accused of possessing an overabundance of patience. Um, some have even called me impatient, which according to Webster's Dictionary, I looked that up. Having or showing a tendency to be quickly irritated or provoked. I'll get back to that later. So a couple of days ago, uh, maybe about a week or so ago, uh, I, was, I was at home, and, and Kristen asked me, said, hey, what are, you, what are you preaching on coming up? And I said, patience. And she gave me this look. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Like, she, she didn't say anything, but her, her eyes said it. Like, she's like, no, really, what are you preaching on? <laughs> and I said, patience. I'm, I'm preaching on patience. And she laughed at me. My whole wife. You're at home, honey, so I'm going to... I'm going to throw you under the bus a time or two. Um, and I said, no, listen, I picked patience. I asked to do this. You can ask Tony. I had, I had, my, I had my pick. Now, granted, I, I picked Labor Day weekend because I didn't think any of y'all would be here. But that's a joke, too. But no, I picked patience, and I did for two reasons. Number one, I know. I know that I need more patience in my life. And I thought if I had to prepare to preach this message, I'd learn something. Which, by the way, is a perfectly legit reason to, to preach. And I'll be honest, I told some guys Friday night, I did, I have. And God's really been working on me in a lot of ways. It doesn't help that this past week, uh, Charlie, our nine-month-old, has been sick with a head cold, and so sleep has been at a premium and really, it's been, as hard as that's been, it's been great for, for Kristen and me because you just kind of, you know, parents know, like, when that happens, you just got, you kind of circle the wagons. You're like, okay, let's do this. I got, I got to do this. And uh, I, I prayed, and, and God really did give me, sort of, for me at least, a very supernatural patience this past week. The second reason that I wanted to give this message is because I, I am keenly aware of God's patience with me. As I get older and become more aware of my, of my sin, the ways that I've fallen short in the past and, and my tendencies now uh, to, to stray, again, the, God's patience just strikes me as one of the most beautiful aspects of who he is. He has been so patient with me. It's a wonder I've not learned to be more patient myself. 
And I have to confess to all of you, everyone here and, and watching, that even now I want so badly to make a joke and use humor to, and, and self-deprecation to deflect, really, and, and kind of dull the pain I feel when I think about just how badly I have represented Christ in the past, in those moments where I have shown a lack of patience. Nobody's perfect, and we're all, we're all vulnerable in different ways, kind of like when you step on a Lego at 2 a.m. I mean, that's, that's bad, but I ought to be better than I am. I'll be the first to admit it. Making light of situations, and myself in particular, it's just kind of how I, how, I, how I roll. But just know, I say all that to, to tell you that I am preaching this first and foremost to myself. But I trust that God will use it to help you as well. I, I wish really badly that I could, I could say, turn to this book and turn to this chapter, and that's where we'll park, but I can't this morning. Instead, we're going to really be on kind of a tour de force of the whole Bible. So I hope you're a good note taker. If not, uh, you have to listen to this again uh, just to maybe keep up, because we are going to bounce around a little bit. But first, in order to, to not bounce around so much with my own thoughts as I, as I speak, my goal this morning is to walk us through four different aspects of patience in the Bible as it relates to God and us, and then tie it all together. Because while patience isn't that complicated, it is complex, or we'd be better at it, quite honestly. But these four points, I hope, will help us see the bigger picture of what, what God's doing and see how they all flow together and connect to one another. The first thing, the first thing that we need to recognize is God is patient in himself. God is patient. The Old Testament goes out of its way to let us know that God is patient. It's worth noting, simple fact, that, that every single Bible has a beginning and an end. The story that's told is started thousands and thousands of years ago. And while we know the ending, we don't know when the ending takes place. So the sheer scope of the story God is telling, unfolding really through, through us, around us, and in us, it assumes His patience. God could just... And, and do whatever he wills, but he, he chooses not to do that. He purposes to wait and work and to weave his story through time because that patience reveals something about himself that's so key to his character. Ancient Israel had these songs. A lot of them are in the Psalms, so we can see them today. But they would sing these to each other to remind themselves of God's attributes. Maybe you've heard these before. I put, we've got a couple on the screen. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Another says, good, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love, what? Endures forever. You see a theme there. This kind of language is so common in the Old Testament, that it's easy to not see the forest for the trees sometimes. But this is so crucial to understanding who God is and how He works because God makes promises and God keeps them. 
It's everywhere in the Bible. Before Adam and Eve leave the garden, on the back of page one, God is making promises. And before the last amen is said in the book of Revelation, every promise is kept. That's patience. That's the God that we worship. And He's not responding to our stubbornness when He does it. He's not... He's not reacting to our slowness. He's not hindered by our sinfulness. He doesn't wait like we wait. His plan is to be patient on purpose. Do you like that that alliteration there? I've got a few of those this morning somehow. His plan is patient. No, wait. His plan is to be patient on purpose. It's who he is. When I'm patient, it does happen, when I'm patient, it's not because I don't uh, I want to be. It's because I'm reacting to something. God is patient because He is patience. It's foundational to understanding who He is, and He intends for us to know it. It's written all over the pages of your Bibles. And so, amazingly, miraculously even, the next aspect of patience we need to see is God's patience for us. This second point is a big one. And it's only true because the first one is true. Let it, let it just kind of wash over you this morning. Think about that the next few seconds. God is patient with us. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast enduring love. Why is that such a big deal? It's a big deal because one of the main ways that we experience God's love is the patience He shows His children with regard to their sin. God's patience means God's goodness in withholding of punishment towards those who sin over a period of time. He is patient to bear with us as we struggle along the path of sanctification, meaning we become more like Jesus slowly. He forgives our sins again and again and again. Do you ever think about, you ever think about some people, you know, other people, different people maybe, and and say to yourself, I can't wait for God to punish them. Maybe it's not quite as blatant as that, but you know, Jesus makes pretty clear that the, the hate we have in our heart is no better than murder. Lord, forgive us when we do that. I'm, I've been, I'm guilty of that just as much as the next guy. Doesn't it seem, though, sometimes that, that, that the wicked prosper, that good things happen to bad people and justice is delayed? Punishment is delayed. All I can say to that is, praise God. Praise God it is. Friends, when we get tired of reading in our Bibles of Israel's uh, wickedness and their stubbornness, the, the rebellion that they showed over and over again, we must remember that that is us. When we get bogged down reading Deuteronomy or Leviticus or, or Numbers, something like that, we are no better than them. All the laws, all the structures that were put in place, the 
the rules and regulations are because of our unwillingness to trust in God's goodness. And yet, here I stand, somehow, by some strange miracle we call grace. And here you sit, in this room or in, in your homes, or wherever you're watching, totally undeserving of life and breath. Every sin is a completely, perfectly reasonable excuse for God to end us. And despite this, Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, the back end of verse 16, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Now that's not just us, but down to the smallest molecule, I'm not a science guy, but and up to the, the, the biggest galaxies that are so far away we haven't seen them yet. Every moment of every day, sustaining us, willingly giving us life, literally holding us together. That's patience. And we complain about God's slowness. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You know, there's an old Switchfoot song, and that really dates me, I understand, but it says, every second, every, no, every breath is a second chance. Sorry, I ruined it. Ruined the moment. Every breath is a second chance. And I love that because it's so true. Every moment is a kindness to us, a blessing that we don't deserve. But this verse in 2 Peter, it's not supposed to be a comfort to us when we don't get our way. The promise that Peter is talking about here goes all the way back to the beginning. It's the thread that runs through the whole Bible that God is redeeming for himself a people, a family, those that love him and trust him, that repent of their sins and believe. He's saving us, making us new. And Peter's saying he's not too slow. Be patient. Because God is patient with you. To put this another way, God's promise is to judge the world. And to make right all the wrongs that sin allowed. The Bible tells us this judgment is coming. And there's a price tag with that judgment. Sins are forgiven. They're not accepted. They're not swept under the rug. They're not just dismissed. A holy God wouldn't do that. It must be atoned for. A perfect, holy, righteous creator cannot and will not abide with anything less. And it wouldn't be true of his character to do otherwise. So, God waits. And all this works different ways on different sides of the cross. I want to read for you Romans chapter 3, verses, starting in verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness 
because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So for thousands of years, thousands of years, God just passed over sins. He accepted sacrifices in the tabernacle and then in the temple, showed unimaginable patience. We've already talked about you know, Israel in the, in the Old Testament, seemingly this never-ending cycle of waywardness and returning again and again and again. But at just the right time, Paul says, this is in, straight out of Romans 5, Christ came and He died for the ungodly while we were still sinners, it says. And so now we look back at Jesus' work on the cross just like the Old Testament saints looked forward in hope and faith. And we see that it was God the whole time. We see that it was God through His Son who took care of sin. He paid the price. He took our sins and He bore that cost. So He's not unjust for being patient with Israel. He's not, un- he's not unrighteous for, or unholy for passing over former sins like with, with David or, or Moses. He's the justifier because only God could be. Only God could fix the problem of sin. His patience made a way. And it allows us, 2,000 years after, to look back at the cross and see God for who He really is as just and justifier. We look back in faith just as they looked forward. So God was patient to send Jesus at the exact time He did. When the fullness of time had come, Paul says in Galatians 4, And God is patient now with us. Not slow to fulfill His promise, like 2 Peter says, so so that when He returns, again for that final judgment, which He's promised, all of us, pre-cross and post-cross, who by faith trusted that God would do what only God could do, will be found righteous and holy before a righteous and holy God. Praise God for His patience with us. So much more I want to say there in particular, but thirdly, we have no excuse not to offer that grace, not, and, uh, uh, the grace of patience to our fellow sinners. Our patience with others is now one of the primary ways we love our neighbor and point others to Jesus. It shouldn't come as a shock to us, though it does. Every time I read it, it just shocks my system. What Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18. Look with me in verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. The, the point Jesus is making there is, is, is awfully clear. 77 isn't the limit either. There is no limit. For those of us who know mercy and the patience of God, we cannot withhold that from another of God's children. The parable Jesus gives directly after that 
And the next few verses of Matthew make that point abundantly clear. Starting in verse 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him and saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused. And went out and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Friends, I'll be honest. I'm not sure what else I can add to that. If that doesn't make us want to take a good look in the mirror, I don't know what will. That's a warning. How we treat others matters. If we find ourselves not willing to extend patience manifested in forgiveness, then we have no reason to think we understand the gospel. We have no reason to think that we are saved. Jesus says in John 13, verse 34, Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And I read that and I go, I wish it were that easy. But for me personally, I feel this is a cross for me. That's embarrassing to say, to compare being patient with somebody to death. But I am so apt, my friends, don't amen this too many times, but I am so apt to lose my cool at times that are just pathetic. And, and loving one another doesn't just mean avoiding impatience with people. I know everyone's different, personalities are different, and that plays a part. But I can have the patience of Job sometimes, and other times just fly off the handle at the quickest, dumbest thing. Just ask the people that, that serve in the band and the tech teams what it looks like on a Sunday morning if something goes wrong with the sound equipment somehow. Or just ask my wife what happens, like when, if Charlie's sick or if he's, you know, crying like babies do. I can't yell at electronics, and I shouldn't yell at the baby. So what do I do? I take it out on the people that are around also trying to help. 
In those moments, and so many others, I am impatience personified. And I see that I'm already passing it on to my nine-month-old. Or maybe he just inherited. I shouldn't say this because my dad's here and my grandfather's watching, so I can't blame it all on genetics, but we do pass some of those things down, and it's just no excuse. It's just no excuse. Impatience is unbelief in action. That's probably worth saying again. Again, to me. Impatience is unbelief in action. And as a Christian, I have to ask myself, what is it that I'm not believing about who God says He is? If we trust that God is good and in control of all things, we will show others the same patience that He has shown us. And lastly, but certainly not least, the fourth aspect of patience we must come to terms with is our patience with God. I put this one last because I think it, it may be more difficult at times than having patience with people. People can shock you. I mean, I guess. People can, can do terrible things. They can do all sorts of things that test us to our limits sometimes. But have you ever run out of patience with God? You can't put your hands on God and shake Him. You can't give God that, that look. The more I thought about this, the more that I'm sure almost all of us, whether we even know it or not, have been there. It's a lonely place when you feel you're waiting on God. I just want to recognize, I just want to recognize that there are those among us that may be waiting for something today and it's hard. In this room, maybe it's a selfish thing you want, I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing that you've been asking God for for a long time. And quite frankly, you don't understand why He is withholding this from you. I think it's important to make clear this morning that seasons of desperate waiting are biblical and they're natural. There's a place to cry out to God. David's not reprimanded for writing Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice. Because I am shaken. When you, when you feel that way, and I say when, not if, we, we must remember that our patience with God must be rooted in who He is, namely, His patience in Himself and with us. See, David continues, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will Sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. There's nothing impatient about turning to God for help. And by the way, 
if you're in, if you're in need this morning, I hope you'll let someone here know. This is a church. Just a small group of God's family, but a family nonetheless. And we try to take care of one another here. Sometimes waiting patiently means casting your cares on a brother and accepting help. Sometimes it means getting your butt to work. It always means prayer and rest. Rest in who he is and what he's done. I can't help but think of all those Old Testament saints in in Hebrews chapter 11 who died without seeing the promises that God made them. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and, and so on. They lived and died by faith. And faith produces patience. The patience to trust, to suffer even, to be inconvenienced. That's my, that's my big word for this COVID season. I'm just terribly inconvenienced. The patience to want and even to need. No one says it better than Paul. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content, he says. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret to facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Can you say that this morning? I stand before you a very privileged and blessed man who has not seen many hardships in life. I can only pray that when that time comes, my faith produces patience that brings glory to God. If our ability to be patient rests in ourselves, then you won't be patient. Certainly not very long. But if it rests in Christ, if our patience with God and with other people rests in His loving patience, then we will have learned the secret, Paul says, to life. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. Do you know Him? Do you know the peace that comes from knowing His patience with you? Don't leave here today without trusting and resting in His perfect patience. We pray with me. God, we love you. I thank you so much for the truth of your word from beginning to end, that you are good to us. You are patient with us. And God, I stand here today a very impatient person with my wife and my, and my child and my, and my friends and my, my, my job with the world outside that there's an anger and an angst in me that I, I can't explain outside of knowing that I am a sinful person, totally helpless to do good. And there are so many things, God, in this life that steal my joy. There's so many things that when I, 
every time I turn on the news, joy is robbed from me. Let it not be so. For those of us who claim to know you, claim to follow Jesus, give us patience with our fellow man. And in those moments where we fail you, and we will fail you in this, remind us again and again of your perfect patience for us. You're good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.